welcome to the AHC podcast. Join us in conversation with experts, thought leaders and colourful characters in the hairdressing industry and beyond. We'll be discussing stories and ideas to inspire, educate and entertain you and most importantly, to help grow your business. If you'd like to listen to more AHC podcasts, you can find them on Spotify or Apple under the Australian Hairdressing Council. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hi everyone, it's Sandy Chong here from the Australian Hairdressing Council and I've got Hayley Mears from Six Underground. Now I think we'd all agree that when it comes to our hairdressing industry, that attracting our clients or our guests is definitely via our social media platforms. Now the thing is some of us are doing it really well and amazing, they look incredibly professional and yes they will attract you know, guests to our salons, but some are not quite making it. So I thought we'd have a conversation with Hayley. You know, what is the difference between really great social media and what is not happening for those that, you know, really need to, I guess, um, brush up a bit? So Hayley has incredible tips. I've actually written a list of questions, Hayley, so I hope you don't mind. No, but, of course um, not. You know, one of the first ones I know that I wanted to ask is because I do see some posts, some pages, and it's like all of the same hairstyle. Okay, so pretty obvious, you know, how to do that. So tell me, why is it then that, you know, content content needs variety? Well, I think, I mean, in the digital age where we are at the moment, your Instagram page, and I'm going to say Instagram, not even Facebook anymore. I feel like Instagram is it's like your go-to portfolio. So, and I've always said this like for years that if I'm ever going to choose a place to go, whether it be a restaurant, a hotel or a bar, and I haven't been before, I'm always going to check it out first on social media. And based on what they've got is that kind of deciding factor as whether I'm going to commit to spend my money there or not. And I think we really forget about that in our industry because we're so caught up being in our business and we see it and we know about the service, but that doesn't necessarily, that's not always communicated through socials. So I think we need to really, you know, build our brand from the ground up on socials and use that to absolutely explore every bit of our brand, our service experience, our retail, our technical ability, who our team are, like all of those things need to be a part of your social strategy, not just the before and after, because I think that's where we get stuck. Yeah, it's like this holistic story of your brand, okay? Exactly. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, what I do see a lot with the ones that do it really well is they're including campaigns and they sort of have, like, brand activations um, as part of their content. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Well, I think what I've, I'm always really good at being organized and planning out what needs to happen across social. And we tend to look at it in two different ways, month by month and quarter by quarter. So we actually, at the beginning of each month and each quarter, we look at a calendar and we identify what the key days are that are going to be important for a small business that are going to be relevant to the industry, but also like, you know, amazing retail opportunities. And so right now, as we're about to head into like the last quarter of the year, I'm already thinking about, okay, I'm working my strategy back from Christmas. 
because I want or I want to communicate to clients, okay, we're one, one hair appointment out, two hair appointments out. Have you made your booking? We've got Black Friday, Cyber Monday. And you need to kind of have that six-week preparation lead time to be able to really maximise what you can do with that campaign. And I think we forget and it sneaks up on us and it's like, oh, shit, we've got to do something for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. But if it's not prepared in the lead up and it's not prepared um, with a strategy, a call to action, you know, great campaign materials, it's always going to fall flat. But the ones that allow us to kind of really, you know, spend time nurturing the concept and the ideas and build it, those are the times where we make amazing money for our clients. And, you know, I think that's one thing that really stands out with you, Hayley, and because you have had six, how long have you had six underground now? It's 13 years. Wow. And um, I think my own seller was probably your first ever client. When yeah, you, you were. Yeah, what? I think you were um, at that time studying journalism and marketing at university. And so yeah. I think it's really cool you've got those qualifications behind you. I mean, as well as the fact that you're a hairdresser, so you actually speak our language, makes all the difference. But love the way that you plan backwards, especially from Christmas. And, um, you know, I know that when you take care of our account, that's the one thing that, you know, I don't have time for that. And you were great at that. It's like planning ahead for that content. You know, when um, I've spoken to you, you mentioned the professional touch and the aesthetic and how that gives your brand like credibility. And I think probably the one thing that um, that is missing in a lot of social media is the authenticity yeah. of some of what you see. So you want to just talk a bit about that authenticity or the, you know, the credibility around the brand? Like how do you get that across to, you know, someone who is looking at your social media? Okay, well, I, I mean, obviously there's kind of two different answers there. So with the authenticity, I think you really have need to have a, a sound understanding of who your brand is, what your brand looks like and sounds like. And we need to really take the time to get to know and understand each individual brand that we work with because the tone of voice will be totally different. So whether it could be, and it was, you know, it was really interesting. I had someone give me feedback about my brand the other week and um, she said to me, so I've been onto your Instagram and I've got to say, I don't really like it. It's too loud and it's too bright and it's just too full on for me. It's not soft enough and I don't really like that. And I said, oh, I really take that on. I think it's great feedback, but it's kind of the brand that we've carved out and people have come along with us for the journey. And that is authentically who we are. And while I think there's so many beautiful um, competitors of ours that do, you know, really beautiful paired back minimal style stuff ours is that little bit edgier creative it's more of a risk-taking brand and I'm comfortable with that so I think really being comfortable with who your brand is knowing your boundaries you need to know that before you can start developing content yeah and you said some really interesting things there because you know years ago um it was a different kind of look and you have moved and you've changed with your brand and with the times. And yes. at the moment, your brand is really what everyone wants and is looking for. And I think that's really important because in that 13 years, you've changed, I've changed, we've all changed, the world has changed, and you've moved with it. And I yeah. guess those questions I want to ask because when you're talking about to, um, you know, I find a lot of salons just do the same stuff as the yeah. salon on the road. 
And there is nothing that separates them. And it's one of the reasons why we engaged you, for instance, because we want to be separated from the one down the road. And as you said, you actually understood our brand. So when someone outsources to a company like yours, well, what would be the expectation on, um, you know, on a return of investment in doing that? I mean, I must admit I've already heard it, I think, anyway, because um, I couldn't do what you do. And I think unless uh, you have that kind of training and background, you know, I think a lot of people wing it um, very badly. Yeah. You know, the odd one will do a really good job, but I think the ones that do a really good job, they outsource it and that's the difference. It is the difference. And I think the return on investment is really key and it's I've been researching it quite a bit the last few days because as we move into an era where everything is based on advertising, the organic reach that we originally started with and we could post and curate content, you know, all day and all night and everyone would see it and it doesn't happen anymore because we have these big tech companies that uh, they know they can make money. So they hold back the content until you, you know, release your ad spend. So I'm looking at how much ad spend does it take for you to actually see return on investment? And it's a hard thing to quantify because, you know, each brand is different and it's based on geographic location. And that's that's your um, your metadata will be different for each location. So if I took your business, Sandy, um, so when you had Suki and um, you were based in Newcastle, the price to advertise in Newcastle is going to be very different to pricing metropolitan Sydney because of the population. So it's kind of understanding those measurables. And I think we... We want to work with clients and the way in which I've been kind of using as my yardstick to measure that is I'm like, if you have an an ad campaign budget of $400, 200 of that's going to be spent on the ads and the other 200 is building the audience correctly in the back end, bringing the right campaign assets that are actually optimized to speak to people, whether they be animated GIFs or reels or just static images that's actually where the value is because if you don't have that planning and preparation, just throwing something up and spending $400 will get you less than spending $200 if you don't know how how to do it correctly and have the right image, the right strategy, the right audience. Well, that's really interesting because I didn't know any of that and um, I'm probably one of those that if it was up to me, I would just throw something up and put $10 behind it and expect it to do really incredible, wonderful things and then not be happy when it didn't. But you've explained that really well and I can now see the value of doing an ad correctly and having Mm. a good plan around it as well. So you do get a return on your investment, but it really makes a big difference in what you actually do get as, um, you know, in posting something on your social media channels. Um, Just one thing too, I mean, you've made it very clear that there is value in placing ads and I I didn't realise everything behind that. But, you know, one area that the industry has really changed is the amount of single operators, the amount of hairdressers out there that are rented chairs or they might have their own space. So they might be renting out, you know, some of the beautiful studios that are out there. You know, what's your advice or what do you recommend for those single operators? Because the one thing that we do see from the AFC is, you know, some of them struggle to to get clients into their chair as well. So um, what's your recommendation for a sole operator when it comes to engaging with a company like yours, um, Six Underground, 
or even just, you know, developing their own, um, you know, social media platform and skills. Mind you, when I listen to you, you've got so many skills. I think that, you know, there's not many out there that has that experience really in being able to do this, you know. So, but is there anything that you could recommend for the, for the single operators that are out there? I, f- I feel like it's really their time to shine at the moment. I feel like the industry is really rallying around them and we're building new networks and resources that support that. And I think it might have been you that was telling me the other day that it solo operators make up 70% of our industry at the moment. Mm. So the fact that we have such large numbers, but what we're relying on is um, a business model that has worked for years and years for an entirely different format that doesn't really need that same structure and uh, I guess support around it. So um, in terms of what I would recommend for solo operators, it is quite different to what I'd recommend for a salon because I think solo operators really need to be the ones driving their social media and they need to be the ones behind their phones engaging and learning about who their audience is. Whereas a salon doesn't necessarily do that because the salon has you know, seven or eight different people that all have their own version of their own clientele is their own little audience, right? So you about the brand type exactly. thing. Yeah, got it. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So we um we wrote an ebook um last week actually, and it was all about how there's a bit of a checklist for solo operators. And you'd go through that checklist and, you know, identify, are these the things that I'm doing? Because just because I did them in the salon as part of a marketing strategy there, it's not going to convert. And there's also going to be new things that salons have never had to do that solo operators will. And I guess that all comes down to streamlining the way you book appointments. I feel like solo operators are kind of, I feel like they look more accessible to a client, like they should be available to me 24 hours. So you've kind of got to build the right boundaries around how you structure that. Um, and, you know, that's part of what you what your output is on social. So, I mean, it's a free ebook and it's a great little checklist for any solo operator who just wants to know the point of difference between marketing a salon and marketing yourself as a solo operator. Well, I know that we're um, we're making that available to all of our um, SOS members with the AOC yes. and adding it to our resource library. And thank you so much for that. So, are your services open to a sole operator as well? Yeah, absolutely. A couple of weeks ago, um, because we've seen such a huge shift in the way that um, our business is operating and the way that I mean, it's working in parallel with how the industry is changing. I guess. And I don't know, but I love Airtasker. Like when I need a job to be done at my house and it was like, oh, I just want someone to really quickly come in and fix that light or or do do something small and quick, but I don't want to spend, I don't want to call out an electrician or all of that thing. I was like, wouldn't it be great if that industry had like a digital tasker that could just be like, look, I can't work out why my e-commerce shop isn't syncing to my Facebook. Can I just have someone spend 20 minutes on fixing that URL code? And we can do that. So it's, you know, I think our digital task is, it's targeted at solo operators and it's $80 an hour. And I think that just that pricing hits the right spot because solo operators can be like, well, that's one haircut or that's what I'll get it. It makes it sustainable for a business just to use as a one-off service. But also we've got packages that are like $25 a week. So 
all of that. I think, you know, being sustainable in that pricing point is really important to us because we're a small business just like everyone else. And we know how important it is to have those services available, but being able to, you know, not stress about the price of them is important too. Yeah, and I think what's really great about you, Hayley, is you do understand small business and, um, you know, small business is your livelihood, my livelihood, and mm. we understand what that's like and to be busy and to be really good at being a hairdresser maybe but not being that great at doing some of the other things where you have to wear your hats and being good at social media on a social media platform is a, is a skill, okay? Yeah. It's a skill just like hairdressing. And so, it's you know, I know there's some, as I said, that are out there that wing it, but, you know, if we talk way above those kind of skills, the ones that are actually doing something really good on social media, um, you know, it's a completely different completely different work. And so, you know, it's been great engaging with you today. It's always, I always learn something when I talk with you, Hayley. It's really funny because um, I think some of the audience knows that you are a hairdresser and yeah. you did your apprenticeship with me. And so they're sort of like, here's, here is my little apprentice. My little apprentice given me all this advice all these years later. Um, whereas, look, I'm so not up to the program and you are, which is fantastic when it comes to anything to do with social media. You know, you're the girl to speak to. So thank you so much for your time and sharing that information because I know that every bit of it is going to be really valuable anyway to our members and to our industry. So if anyone wants to contact you, so yep. just go to Six Underground. Yep, that's so um sixunderground.net.au. And I'm I'm really um, open to people just, you know, reaching out, whatever works for them. I, th I think, you know, whether it's, you know, Facebook or WhatsApp or Messenger or any of those, those tools, I'm available on all of them. Okay, brilliant. Good to know. All right, well, thanks again, Hales. Thanks, and Andy.